Where the Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. For this bonus episode, I am joined by two gentlemen that I've had the pleasure to know since they were in high school. They're now education professionals um, in the eastern part of the state. Professional is a strong word, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> well take it. We'll allow technically it. Technically, we get paid yes. so that yeah. Yeah. we're yeah. not yeah. amateurs amateur. any longer. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> That's <laughs> not amateurs any longer. Were you doing a lot of amateur educating <laughs> before I got paid? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, what do you think student teaching is? Uh, it's actually the opposite where I pay yeah. them. Yeah. 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 So that's not really amateur. Yeah. You really that's need true. to listen to Semi-pro. the podcast. And we've, we definitely talked about that whole student. Well, I just, yeah. I just subscribed earlier. Okay. So. I was going to say, I sent you like, I'm, I listened to it as a great episode. <laughs> really missing out. I believe. So we, we've known each other a, a long time. I met Dan in the late nineties. Taylor, I met you, what, 2001 or was it 2000? Probably 2001. 2001. Yeah. That so, was in the first JC year? Or yeah, the JC my year. JC yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got a lot of history, but we have some similarities in that we grew up in this leadership organization, Missouri Association of Student Councils. Um, we all made it back into education. We are all... Um, married to somebody that we met through student council. So we're, we're just going to kind of see where this goes. I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves really quick. So we know a little bit more about them. And you want us to say it really fast, like the micro machines guy. Yes, like, that would be my great. Out of the middle of high school. <laughs> Batteries not included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm Dan Wright. I am a librarian at Melville and Oakville high schools and do Stuco at Melville high school. Um, my name's Taylor Tholen. I teach at Union High School in Union, Missouri. Uh, it's my sixth, fifth or sixth year there. Sixth year there. I taught in the Kansas City area where I grew up um, before that. And I have an odd, and my role is technically the, um, shoot, I should probably know what my job title is. But well, it's, it's only been six years. Yeah. Yeah. True. I'm just getting You're used just to getting it. paid for it now. Like. Yeah, instructional technology specialist. I'm also the student council advisor, uh, one of them. And... Uh, I, too, work in the A library. That's kind of where my office is set up. The librarian and I kind of try to have our jobs overlap as much as possible so that when one of us is gone, there's another person to do it. So our Venn diagram is two almost fully overlapping circles. So we just have kind of a, a partnership. And, and um, we, she and I are both married to administrators, so we have a similar life as well. So, so that's, that's me in a tiny nutshell, I guess. All right. So I, uh, my first question is... Did your involvement in student council and leadership play any part into your decision to go into education? Yeah, I would say um, for probably the biggest part, I think growing up, you always you see those jobs that are the jobs that people, you know, I know teachers. I know, you know, you have these at some point, everyone probably wanted to be a teacher because you knew teachers. And at some point, everyone wanted to be a doctor or a fireman or something. Those like people that help people. And then that goes away because. Maybe it doesn't seem big enough or it doesn't seem like the right thing or doesn't seem cool or whatever reason. But I think by the time I was in high school and was involved in student council and specifically at in MASC, meeting people and just seeing that, like, I don't know, I grew up with two parents who were married and are still married and and had everything I needed and most of the things I wanted. And high school still wasn't super easy when I saw people around me that didn't have that. And there's a lot of people who have you know, or coming at coming in their day with a lot less and they don't have adults who they trust. And I felt like I had a lot of those. And so it, it just sort of seemed like this is an important thing. It's an important thing. And, and I've seen a lot of good people do it. And, you know, so student council opened my eyes to a lot more adults that were doing good things. And so one of my goals was, I know, get this job, become a teacher, bring kids back to this thing that was important to me. And then, um, my first year of teaching that that happened and we've been doing it ever since this is year 17 for me. So yeah, I would say something similar, like kids grow up, you see those things, all that's true. Um, I did not initially go in, uh, leave high school, assuming I was going to be a teacher, but pretty quickly, I think because of my experiences in MASC and doing student leadership stuff, because you have that opportunity to uh, to use a term that's been used a lot today at this conference that we're at is influence that you are, yes, you are a student, but you also kind of have these extra responsibilities in the building that that seemed uh, really where I wanted to go. It's exactly what Taylor said, the idea of having those people in your life 
who helped make your experience as good as it could be, whether that was teachers in school uh, or Jacob was one of my junior counselors at camp, uh, actually twice, um, and the, the adult counselors that were there and whatever, and realizing the impact that that had and wanting to kind of pay that forward and be that, uh, not that I could reach the same level that those people did in my brain, but that I could be that for somebody else. Uh, yeah, that absolutely played a role. I think when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, eventually, probably for everyone who ends up in education, at least part of it is, I just think I need to help people. And that's a way I know how to do it. You know, there's lots of ways to do that. I understand that most jobs help people in some way, shape or form, but in a, you know, I think if I, there's a lot of jobs I would have that I came home, I wouldn't understand why I was doing it other than a paycheck. And it's easier to understand like why we do this whenever you get feedback or, Hey, you, you know, this from your, from your students. And more specifically, I think that's the one reason I wanted to be in a high school is so you could communicate, you know, like I don't think elementary kids can really tell you your impact you have on them or even understand it potentially. And not that that's a selfish reason, but I want to be able to have a, you know, a two-way relationship with your, with your student where they know who you are and you know who they are and you can kind of learn from each other. And I don't think that happens in much, as much in elementary school. So you got it in for the praise. You were sure. just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want somebody to yeah. tell me that I'm good. Yeah. And nobody is more appreciative than, than teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're best at. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, misguided, maybe, but I'm here. So it's all good. Well, and I'm sure that you've talked about this at some point on an episode, but since this is kind of where we're at right now, is that the same for you, Jacob? Or what's your story that got you in? It very much is. So I was kind of a, a late bloomer, I guess. That's <laughs> and, what everybody says. Yeah. <laughs> Still blooming. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere right. In bloom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping to get there. It took me quite, quite a few years to realize like, oh, man, I really need to do this. Like I have these great relationships, friendships with people in education. You know, I couldn't wait to go back to our summer workshop in Fulton to, to see you all and it was this really meaningful um, place and event that I'd been going to. And eventually, you know, it was some conversations that I had with myself, but also with people within this organization about, you know, m maybe you should give this a go because the things that I, I found were kind of missing in my life, I could all find within education. Um, so it took me a while to, to get there, but um, it was definitely the thing that I think got me into education and any success I had, I think definitely comes from my experiences and relationships with MASC and leadership. And there's something, you know, <laughs> when you're in high school, there's things you don't want to give up when you graduate. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. of it you want to give up and some of it's like, well, I'm going to miss this. Well, you don't have to, and, you know, like that yeah. part of it was like, well, I don't, I don't miss it because I still get to live this life. And, and so that's pretty cool. And also just sort of that, uh, you lived your whole life with this cyclical nature of a school year. And I didn't really want to give that up too badly. I mean, like when May rolls around, I'm excited about a change. Even if that's that, even if it's that like run into summer school or something like that, which I, I, I try not to do summer school, but <laughs> never, um, never even if I was, it's a change and it's a, it's a, there's an end and then a new beginning and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like that is something I was accustomed to that I was comfortable with and, you know, it's always been that way. So college was that same similar way. And then moving into that as a professional is like, okay, well, I'm used to that. And I can understand that where if I worked in a bank, nothing wrong with working in a bank and May rolls around and like, well, now I can wear a polo. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, and you have a Memorial Day off and then 4th of July off. I'm like, that would be a change that it would be hard for me to wrap my mind around. And so having that break or a change in the summer where we can go back and work at this camp or we can spend more time with my kids and that sort of stuff just made it make sense to me. I, so kind of piggybacking on the cyclical nature, uh, I remember, so I met my wife at camp. Um, she, she would have gone to my high school, went to a private school. So I never met her, even though she lived 10 minutes away from me all through our lives growing up. I met her at camp in the middle of the state. Um, and after we graduated high school, so I was no longer going back to camp uh, because I had graduated, right? I wasn't in uh, the position to be a student council kid. That was not the case for my wife, who continued <laughs> to get invited back to work in the office. And so every year, 
she gets to go back and hang out with our friends <laughs> for that week and that cycle that you get used to. That with the school year, we have a Stuco year where we have advisors conference and we have district conventions and then we have winter energizer if you go and the state convention and then camp in the summer and she was still getting to do one of those things and i was getting to do none of them so that was like hold on a minute i don't understand <laughs> this isn't cool uh and once i got a job in education and i pretty quickly became a stuco advisor like oh i get to go back and play again like this gets to be in that cycle of things that i do I just I remember that first year going back feeling like, oh, I don't have to be jealous anymore. I don't have to sit at home by myself for a week going, I can't believe she gets to do this. Why do I have to stay at home? Why can't I go back to camp? How come she always gets to go back and tell me, oh, I saw so-and-so and I saw this person. I get to go do that. So now I do. And I'm not giving it up. And, and to be fair, we see a lot more of you than we do her these days. Yes. Yeah. Well, because she's gone on to bigger and better. And uh, also... Uh, cares for our children more than I apparently do because I give up our weekends and, and weeks at Provide time to care. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> All of those, whatever, however you want to interpret that word, that's up to the listener. Um, I'm not saying it. I'm saying it appears as though based on evidence. You actually did say it, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just to say yeah. yeah. It, I said, apparently she cares <laughs> for our children more in all of the ways. Uh, and I get to be the one that does this. And I actually have uh, my older son is in middle school this year, and for the last, it's been at least four months uh, that I've been, since before I went to camp this past summer, and at least weekly since, like, you know you can come to camp with me next year, right? Like, you know that's going to be really cool when you come with dad to camp, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and like, well, dad, I'm not on Stuco. Our sixth graders aren't allowed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you're allowed to come to camp. Like, this is an important <laughs> family thing yeah, that you yeah. can do. So yeah, that the cycle doesn't end in any number of ways here in my family, I hope. Yeah, our daughter is seven and is already talking about, she's like, you know, in X number of years, she'll do the oh, math. Wow. And I was like, one, uh, okay, I'm excited about that. Although please stop fast forwarding yes. your life <laughs> yes. because you're already more mature than, you know, growing up more than I would like you to because, I mean, I'm already like kind of dreading walking her down the aisle and again she's Holy seven moly. so that's probably 40 to 50 years away well it depends on where in in the the city or the state you live maybe they get married real young in the town that you're in maybe yeah. union kids get married i don't know I he is really uncomfortable <laughs> right now it's like i'm just trying to just have her wait have her wait sure yeah just for me yeah but yeah. 50 Which sounds is, like a good age yeah i'll be older I'm still walking, probably, but you know, we'll get down the aisles somehow. Segway. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were like changing topic. Nope. <laughs> Writing a segue. Segway nope. to new discussion. I was helping. I was Jacob. helping Jacob segue later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here is where you'll put a segue. And our sponsor for this episode. <laughs> What's a big one? Yeah. 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 Was have, you ever, have you ever written a segue? Uh, I have not. Have you ever? I have not. Have, have you? It looks no. It looks <laughs> awesome. Well, Here's the I'm thing, just like, this will not make the episode, oh. but I feel like anytime you bring up Segway, you have to bring this up. Like the inventor died writing a Segway, like his own invention. Did I would think fire that that's or... how you'd want to die if you were, I mean, like <laughs> if you enough. invent something like I want, to, because the ultimate thing, invent something that eventually kills you is like Cheeto. <laughs> just gets caught in your no, throat. He, he, I don't was it, he like fell off a cliff, like he couldn't get it to stop. Have you, do you okay. remember the chimpanzee riding on a Segway video? I do no. not. If you Google those words, okay. you'll find a YouTube video and that is the lyrics repeatedly to a song. Okay. And then you, you can imagine it. Sure. It's a chimpanzee riding I, on a Segway. I want to get back to the guy dying though. How do you die riding a Segway off a cliff on accident? You could just but step off back. of the Segway. I don't right? know if it was... like. I've never been on one, so I don't know. I, yeah. It's unfair of me to say. Done, I guess. Yeah, I, it just seems like you could just I go. I feel like nope. you need to research this. I will and... not be on a Segway anytime <laughs> soon. Now that I know that I could die from it, I'm going to stay away. You can die from anything. A Cheeto. The, not yet. Uh, not yet. That, if a Segway is as delicious as a Cheeto, then I'll give it a shot. Oh, he ate a Cheeto? He ate a Segway? <laughs> that, that does seem like it That kill would kill you, I imagine. Because <laughs> it's the gyroscope that you'd show yeah. up on. <laughs> Like, oh, the self-leveling <laughs> me mechanisms yeah. are so hard to swallow. Every time, it gets them every time. Yeah, yeah. it just yeah. doesn't want to go down. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it just stays right in the middle. 
This is horrible. There's uh, no way that you're cutting this. I just want to say that right. if this was my podcast. Put on a whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So student council, aka leadership, is a family affair for you all. How does that play into you know your daily family routine? And maybe that daily is probably not a great. No, way. I. I I don't really want to answer this right away, but I know Taylor does a lot of icebreakers with his family. They're daily icebreakers uh, before meals, uh, before bed, those kinds of things. What's well, important that neighbor? we all know each other? <laughs> and name if we game. remember each yes. other's names, yes. it's Betsy, right? <laughs> yes. Bacon I, yes, Betsy. Yes, Bacon I, Betsy. Yes, I do love my neighbor. <laughs> Even though. Child number one. <laughs> oh, thank you for turning your yeah. name tag around so that I could remember who you were today. So let me rephrase the question. How has like being a, a leader impacted you as parents? Have you learned, have you been able to utilize any of the skills within uh, student council and leadership to impart onto your own children? I kind of like to think that it's kind of a double-edged sword that the things that you want to teach anyone via leadership are the things yeah. you'd want to teach your own children are, and are the things that everyone should be working on. Um, and then Houston Craft talks about like these skills, you know, are things to put on your plate. Well, these things are the plate, like the soft, quote unquote, soft skills, which are communication, you know, like empathy, kindness, that sort of stuff. You're like, how is that not helpful for everyone? You know, so I just think that it kind of naturally goes together. My wife is also an educator, an administrator, like Dan's wife is. And so I think that our kids see we get excited about school. We live our life at school. They go to school now. And I remember before the school year, I asked my seven-year-old, what are you most looking to, forward to about the school year? And I'm thinking, see my friends, um, learning something. And she just says, a PJ days. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's the thing is like, it is a, our last name is Tholen. So it's a Tholen family value. We do not skip spirit days. We go at them full steam and we're excited about them mostly because we're, usually the people planning them. So it's, it's kind of yeah. hypocritical not to, but I was thinking like, huh, PJ day, the most thing she's most excited about <laughs> being in second grade is, and that's fine. That's a good answer. I mean, yeah, that is. was unexpected, but I feel like for a seven year old, every day could be PJ day, right? Like you well, just wear, she goes to a school where they have to wear a uniform. Oh, okay. So there is that. Yeah. So that it is more of a special day. And yeah, military schools are tough. Like mm -hmm. Well, it's called discipline, yeah. Dan. You could learn a lot from it. 100%. Start them young. Yeah. yeah. Jacob, you're a parent. Answer your question. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that leadership plays into it. So um, for those of you who don't know, I have two daughters. My oldest daughter, who is going to turn five in December, um, has Down syndrome. And she gets to go to the same school as my youngest daughter. Or I guess I should rephrase that. My youngest daughter Lily gets to go to the same school as Emma because the school that they're in, the largest school district in the state, they have this program where um, peers without disabilities can be peer mentors to students with disabilities in the early childhood program. And when we heard about that, we were just like really blown away. And it allowed us to have a lot of great conversations about um, empathy and inclusion and acceptance. And I think if you had talked to me prior to me having kids about, you know, when can you have those conversations? I, I don't know that I would have thought that you could have those conversations in a meaningful way and an impactful way with young kids. My youngest daughter just turned three in July, but she soaks that up. Like she, she gets it. She under, she's starting to kind of see how, um, other students at that school are different in the way that they communicate or that they go about their life. And it, you know, it's allowed for some, some great conversation. Um, yeah. I mean, our, our are still young, so we have things that we are looking forward to like conversations and, and family values, um, to instill into them. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely on the, on our mind all the time. I think those little kids want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. They want to be kind. They want, they're just, they're the best people. I mean, and what makes them anything but that is generally some sort of outside influence, you know, mm -hmm. a, an experience or a person who they're around who's not a good role model or something that happens in their life that makes it, you know. And so just wanted to 
keep those kids like doing the right thing. I mean, we kind of tell them, you know, you're not like indoctrinating your children, but we tell them things that they don't understand. You're like, hey, how do I, I talk? I talk to my kids at night a lot of times, and we t- say like, you know, we're gonna, how are you gonna change the world? And they say yeah. with compassion and kindness. I don't think they knew what those words meant when we started saying it. I don't think they could even say them really, right? Because, right. but now like if you say that, they kind of start to understand, and then that'll be a thing that. Whether they do that or not, I don't know. Whether I do it or not, I don't know. But, you know, but like, right. it's a goal. Yeah. And it's some things that they hear occasionally. And like, you know, that <clears throat> if you can, excuse me, if you can start them down that road and kind of, you know, help them understand that like the world doesn't have to be a bad place to be a better place, that we can always be trying to make it better, make your classroom better, help your, be nice to your teacher, your classmates or people in the community and things like that, that like, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's how you, that's how leadership really works. I think, I mean, is it just doing the things that need to be done and if other people follow great and if not, well, now they're done, you know, sort of, sort of thing. But I think that, uh, one of the things that as you guys were talking, I was thinking about when I was in camp in level two, the big lesson used to be, and I'm, I'm sure it's still part of it is that like leaders take care of their people, mm-hmm. right? That it's not just you do the thing that you want to do and move on exactly what you were saying, Taylor. Um, and I don't always use that language exactly with my kids, but trying to instill that idea that it's not about, did you do the thing that makes you happiest or you win or you whatever, when my kids are talking about their day, like, how did you help other people or what were you doing to try to try to help and make things better for everybody and not just go, well, I won kickball, so I'm the champion and I'm the best and you guys all stink or whatever. Um, right. I mean, I would be a lot more proud of my kid if they got a note sent home that said they were helpful yeah. to someone else rather than any sort of yeah. good grade. I yeah. mean, that's like, okay, that's my goal as a parent is to make you a good person, not to make you a good student, you yeah. know? Like, uh, yeah. And ideally they're both obviously, but yeah. Well, when you ask your kids, how do they feel? They say, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. And then <laughs> it's just, that's a nice little bonus. I enjoy that <laughs> inside joke. That's thing. for the four listeners. That <laughs> yeah. To be yeah. fair, anyone listening to this show with the three of us is a pretty Probably. narrow. Yeah. If you don't already know us. Because I think you have thank to be. You for listening to this. Yeah, you have to be involved in this organization and also married to someone who has a connection to this organization. Yeah. Which is. But we welcome everybody. Yes. That's right. We'd like to this. All listeners. Well, that's, that's the nice right. thing is like, actually, Pam, my wife's name is Pam. Pam and I were walking. <laughs> There are other people listening to this that aren't the three of us. So I'm just mentioning a person and then telling you who the person is. I'm just the idea that you're like, Pam, oh, this is nobody that anybody knows. I'm just naming a name. This just caught me the right way. <laughs> Most people say that. They'll talk about a person that's not been a part of the conversation. Right. Like, I don't know who that guy's talking about. My wife, Pam, <clears throat> and My I wife. were talking about that on the way down here. Is that like, it's interesting because there's just groups of people who are, you know, we were talking about organizations in school like clubs and things like that and like within every club there's not a hierarchy but there's a there's people who people look up to you know you go to band and there's people who not because of a position but like they're an upperclassman or whatever it is and there's plenty of kids aren't in band that don't have any idea who that kid is or knows that they wield influence within their group of people or in any certain class like when dan walks into you know a class as a teacher versus a different class like those kids you never know who's going to be kind of like you have your own role in those different areas and you can learn from people no matter what. So as far as this podcast being for only three people, <laughs> like it just there's interesting people everywhere and there's interesting stories. And the more you can meet new people, whether it's in real life or just listen to people talk like I always just think that's really interesting because there's just an infant. Well, it's not infinite, but there's a lot of people in this world who have a lot to offer, even if they don't think they do. And that's it's just cool to meet new people like that. So I, I've got some some extra thoughts that are kind of coming to my brain. The first one I, I should have probably probably brought up earlier. You know, we join the profession of education largely or partially in part due to the role that educators played in our life. Do you do you think that there's any solution to, you know, the teacher shortage or teacher retention and the idea of like buy-in or support that that we could maybe draw from our own experience or is it or am i just like being overly wishful i feel like i mean the first thing that came to mind is not a solution but i wonder if part of it comes from so we and i imagine almost everybody in education exactly what you said 
had somebody that influenced them or many people that did. I think there's a decent chance that there are teachers right now that are great teachers that are going, don't go into this business. Like just that they're not just because of the way things are trending and the way things like with any number of things that instead of where we might have encouraged people in the past, and I don't mean any of us, but where teachers may have encouraged like you will be a great teacher someday that people are potentially saying you should find something else because it is it's hard and we're losing people, veteran teachers that are that are leaving districts and leaving the profession and whatever. Um, I think for especially for this job, I think the biggest sale, that's not the right way to say it. The biggest thing that sells people into it, that makes you want to do it is the people that are currently doing it, right? I didn't want to be a doctor, but I don't imagine that if I had an incredible pediatrician that I would have been like, yes, I will be a pediatrician because I don't see that doctor that often. I see a teacher every day. So if you have, we still have that ability to influence or to, to get people that way. But just the the rhetoric around teaching right now is so hard to get around that I think for a lot of people, it's just not feeling real motivated to sell people like this is the world you want to join. I don't know. I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a complex situation right. or else you know, if there's an easy fix, yeah. hopefully someone would have done yeah. it. You know, that sort of thing. But I think of it as kind of a bit. I know education or at least I'm surrounded by education all day and that's the world I live in. But. It doesn't seem like as I look around, I'm jealous of some other institutions where things are going gangbusters. I think there's people who are getting paid more than we are probably. And that's only one part of everything. But it just seems like there's generally the last few years, a lot of people who were very good at their jobs stopped being good at their jobs because their jobs changed. And that's hard to be proud of what you do and work hard at it and then be and then all of a sudden have the rug pulled out from under you and the the students change because of their situation. Your life changes. The school situation changes. And then all of a sudden, a person who's worked really hard to be good at their job isn't, or they feel like they're not, even if they're doing the best they can and they're doing better than other people around them. They're just not doing what they're used to be doing. So you lose your confidence a little bit and your job gets harder because it's more complex and it's it's changed. And then there's just a general negativity surrounding it where you know, where I might have, and I probably still do this some, but I would get excited about anyone who was a student who wanted to be a teacher because that's great. And that's, yeah. you know, you want people to do that. But in general, I think, you know, the negativity surrounding our entire day is, I mean, I feel like when I look back at pictures of my first few years at the school I'm at now, things were more fun. They just were because we didn't have a heavy cloud of all the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years hanging over our head. And I hope that we're getting back to that. But like two or three years of things not being great is a long time. And, you know, and if you have a, a chance to opt out or change things, you want to do that. And I would like to be a part of the solution. But more than that, I would like the solution to just happen. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> if I didn't have to be a part of it, I wouldn't want to be. And, and I don't know what that change is other than I just think the general negativity surrounding just being at school and not just there, being anywhere. I mean, I, I don't think we're a super positive place in this country right now. And I don't think it's necessarily, or world, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a political thing or just a COVID thing. It's everything going together on that. And so everything fixes itself if we can slowly, which is the problem. It's going to have to fix itself a lot slower than it got bad or whatever. But if we all can kind of reevaluate why we're doing this, why we chose to do it, kind of come back and, you know, whatever normal meant, you know, normal was better than current is how a lot of people feel, I think. So if you can kind of start to work your way back to that and realize, you know, why do you do this job? Why do we do this job? Why is this important? But that's got to be everybody. And that's the tough part is how do I get my administrators on board with this thought? How do I get my other teachers who are burned out and tired? How do I get my students who have more stress and anxiety in the, in the past, how do we, you know, it's, that's a tough answer because it's not really an answer. It's, it's more of an explanation of the problem, I guess. But maybe that's part of it is that we shouldn't expect it to go back right away. But we also should be like, at some point, it's a, you have a binary approach. You can be trying to fix it or not, you know, and that sometimes that's what it is. And you might fail, but if you're not trying, that's a choice also, you know. So what are we doing? 
what are you doing? What am I doing? Like, what are the three of us doing? And if we're not really actively trying to fix it, then we probably should be. I don't know. Easier said than done. Man, I feel like, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like you just spoke some truth to me. Like, um, so I, I left the education world that first year after COVID. It was, this wasn't aimed at you. For yeah. right. <laughs> no, but I can't help. Well, but you were staring like, daggers at him the whole yeah. time. I can't like help through. but <laughs> apply some of that to myself of like, oh man, like, what, why did I leave? You know, clearly based on what we've said in this episode, like I, you know, was drawn to education because of this organization and now I've, I've stepped away and there's, it's complicated. There's lots of reasons why that happened, but, um, you know, I, I will also admit that I've missed it and I still do because I still feel like it, it is a big part of me and trying to fill that. Um, even just like one of the things I realized early on in my teaching career is like, if I'm blessed with a family, I want to be able to experience them in my building and like, yeah. I saw some of my colleagues that had that, you know, they had young kids in the district or they had kids in the same building. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that was an easy fantasy to attach to. And I think part of it shattered, um, when our oldest daughter was born and with her, uh, disability with down syndrome and everything that goes with it. And some of the, the things that were changing within my own district, even as a special educator, like, I had to make the decision to leave that field to go into another one and realize like this probably isn't the best place for my daughter. And like those cracks started to form. And then with COVID, I, I definitely felt like I wasn't as effective, like the outcomes weren't there that I was used to. And, you know, and everybody's dealing with a lot. The kids were dealing with a lot. And I think I was open to like, what did, what do they need? How can I help? And I don't think everybody knew what they needed and let alone knew what everybody was going through. And I think I took that really personally and like felt yeah. like it was my, it was my fault. And that, I mean, that's super selfish. And, you know, I, well, they all contacted us before this <laughs> right, episode. Right. It they was, you did. yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's of the go. 105 that came in. Well, that's the problem with <laughs> trying to help people, you know, which is ideally what we're trying to do is that. When you can't, it feels personal. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a bad yeah. feeling because you're like, what did I do wrong? And yeah. it's not, not necessarily anything yeah. you did wrong. And sometimes there is nothing to do, but it still feels like failure. You yeah. Know? So I, I remember the day I turned in my resignation letter. Like I kind of felt like things aren't going here. Maybe I need to change school districts or, you know, again, those cracks that started to form. Um, but it was right after... Uh, a pretty big snowstorm in our state and um, across the South. People were having really blackouts or they lost power and really um, kind of intense cold snap. And we're in the middle of our gratitude unit, you know, weeks of focusing on gratitude, doing gratitude, reflecting on it, journaling about it, introducing all these different aspects. Um, and during that time away from school, like we were still – um, meeting online and doing like partial days and students were supposed to submit things and talk about gratitude. And I wasn't surprised that not as many students, you know, submitted things and were part of that conversation during their snow days, um, even though we were still meeting online. But when we got back to school, I was prepared to have the conversation of like, you know, how come we're not engaging in gratitude? And this is I mean, predicted every year, like, okay, kind of midway through this unit, we're going to have this conversation. Why are people not engaging with it? Like it happens every year and you get to have the conversation about, oh, we, there's all these things we should be grateful for. And, you know, it's really the thing that turns everybody around and we can end um, the rest of the unit in a much more positive manner. Well, we have that, I have that conversation. And again, we're coming off this cold snap where people are having power outages in our local community. Like there were people in Texas that, that died from, from this and we're back at school. It's warm. Like everybody's safe. And resoundingly the class was like, yeah, well, we just don't have anything to be grateful for. And I, I was not prepared for that. Like that wasn't even a possibility in the conversation. One, it had never happened in all the years. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, maybe I'm just selfish, but I was like, I have, I've failed. 
I have failed them. And there was one student that was like, I had like, I love what we're doing and I have everything to be grateful for. And I should have let that be like the bright spot. But I turned in my letter of resignation after that class. Oh, like it just hit me. And, and maybe it, it, like, I don't blame those. That's not what did it, but it was, you know, it, it was maybe the like just straw that, that broke the camel's yeah, back. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to, I mean, they always say, you know, hold on to those positive moments, but those aren't the ones you hold on to. They right. don't, yeah. I mean, like I put them in a file folder, you know, I remember <laughs> right. them and I yeah. try to look at them and I, you try to, but like, man, a kind word is, is only gonna, it's not gonna fix those things yeah. that like really break your heart. And, that well, stuff. and if I like, I feel like I'm going down this really dark path oh. with that. So based on what you said about, you know, when students say, Hey, I want to go into education. So that same young lady that was like, no, I, I like gratitude is important to me. And it's, I see all these great things. She like, she was going into education oh. and, and it still is. Um, shout out to Brooke. <laughs> uh, I feel terrible. Like, I don't even want to say this, but I, I tried to dissuade her from going into education. Um, and she would be amazing at it. Um, but I, I feel like I was so, I don't know, tainted with everything where it's like, uh, you know, education's not going to get better. But here I am, like, still in it. Yeah. Well, if you're living in that misery. Yeah. And you're feeling that, you don't want to put somebody else in that place. Right. Like, and that's... You yeah. should really try this. It's going to be great. I mean, after a few years, you're going to feel terrible about everything and quit your job and have to start. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. you don't want to do that. I was going to ask, uh, and I think I know the answer now that as you finish your story, but was there a moment where you thought, I'll just change, like after you had submitted your resignation, where you're like, I'm going to look for jobs in other districts or? Every it, day. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I had an idea of what I thought I would do, but even up until like, the the day I started my, you know, LLC, like I wasn't sure. But even even today, yeah. It's like I, I could go back. Like I'm I do miss it. I'm sure. I, but, you know, it, it's it's also learning how to do it different, you know, now yeah. that I have kids yeah. and, well, there's and more. I think part of that's scary, you know, and that's yeah. my own issue to deal with. Well that had occurred to me in the kind of like why are people leaving or what what's part of that behind it? As a society, at least, and, and from what I can tell, we seem to be pushing a lot of, you should be worried about self-care, right? More than, I don't think that my parents' generation and certainly their parents' generation were not being told, as long as you're happy, everything's fine, right? It's like, right. Oh, you're going to go to that job that's terrible. <clears throat> you're going to be whatever you have to be to yeah. get enough money to feed your kids and whatever. And we are in a world now, at least in this part of the world, where we are so focused on self-care. And I think that's good. I think it's very important. But those teachers that are being told to talk to kids about self-care and to focus on their own are taking that to heart and going, right. well, this is not me, yeah. me staying exactly the story that you told. If I'm still here, I'm not taking care of myself. Right. And then how am I taking care of my own kids and how am I doing these things? I can find other ways to make money. I don't, I don't have to go to the coal mine because it's the only job in town. I can find another way I can, we can still do this. I don't have to feel miserable every day. I still think we're somehow as educators, we take it real personally, like why are teachers leaving education in an era that we are calling the great resignation? Yeah. So it's not like it's here. <laughs> right, you know, right, it's like we yeah. take it personally, like, well, it's just here. It's literally in the news every day that yeah. it's not just here, but that's what we can, can control or we feel like we can control, sure. you know, so the picture, the question is much bigger than what are schools doing wrong. It's, you know, what are, what's going on that, yeah. you know, that we need to do. And maybe it is everyone just needs a change, you know, and because we're finding hopefully get some teachers that come from it from a different point of view. They didn't come it from a, from education classes in college. But, you know, you get teachers with real world experience that would like to move in here and, you know. Obviously, if people are resigning everywhere, they're starting somewhere else. So you do. There is that second question of why are teachers leaving? But the maybe more important one is how do we get people to come back or, you know, join us for the first time or whatever? Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's I just I felt like that was always been odd. That like we just talk about it as as educators because that's the world we live in. But it's, it's not just here. And that doesn't excuse it being a problem. It certainly yeah. is a problem because, you know, it's different than 
working a job where you need two weeks of training. You know, you do need, yeah. and you want qualified educators. You don't want people just to jump in because they think it'd be fun or, you know, ideally they do think it would be fun, but well, they, they need tired more of than that. Right. So they wanted <laughs> right. a different job. My side hustle yeah. is yeah. middle school <laughs> math, but my passion <laughs> is delivering food while it's yeah. still, still yeah. hot and sweating inside this container. That's yeah. a, I, I always prefer when my food is described as sweating. There's nothing more appetizing than sweaty food. Oh, that's how it's best. <laughs> sweaty in 20 minutes as or a, less. Well, as, a, as a former <laughs> foods teacher, you would know. Mm -hmm. I imagine sweaty, the sweaty unit was an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want, if your food isn't sweating, then it's cold, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not aware of that. I don't either. When we talked about, you know, describe, descriptive words for food, sweaty is on the list. <laughs> it's low, yeah. low on the, low on the desired list. Like, can you tell me about your special of the day? Yeah. Uh, we have a sweaty chicken yeah, that yeah. is to die for. It I, used no, to. I mean, literally, you will die if you eat that like, sweaty chicken. Once, it had a very crispy crust. <laughs> but then we put it in a Ziploc bag. And then microwaved it. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe this is our chance to make millions. You know, what's the next appliance? It could be the food sweater. Food sauna? Food sauna. <laughs> <laughs> if, yes. If, if yes. the air fryer cooks that food too quickly and makes it appetizing and it's easy to clean up. What if? Is your fried chicken too crisp? Yeah. Yeah. Dentists don't like when your food is super crunchy. Yeah. It's oh, hard yeah. on your teeth. It's a, it's a food humidifier. Yeah. Dan writes food spa. <laughs> That's trademark. I just want to make that clear. We are contacting uh, the patent office today. He wants to make teeth just irrelevant. Just for yeah. show. Well, not everybody has teeth, Taylor. That's true. So I'm trying to be inclusive of all potential audiences. That's right. If you can sweat it down to <laughs> just, or I can gum it, and I don't even really necessarily have to chew it. Sweet. Yeah. That'll be, uh, once we uh, get up off the ground with this, that will be, I'm pledging right now that Dan Wright's Food Spa will be uh, a major sponsor of where the whiteboards are. That's good to know. Well, you think about like the next evolution of like humanity, right? Like teeth are kind of a weak point in our design. For sure. Like, it makes me think of, what is it? Wally? -E, that movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're muscle mass and yep. bones and stuff. I mean, if you don't, what? Bones? As long as I've got a chair that can get me where I'm going. That <laughs> covers me around. That's right. Yeah. I'm good. Give me my Soylent green and I'm That's good right. to go. It, I love the idea that teeth <laughs> are the best. What's the one weak point? What's the thing that's holding us back? It's having to chew. <laughs> Well, it's if also just, a waste of time. It's also a waste right. of time. Because... So you're not going to be sponsored by uh, the Dental Association, that's for sure. They are anti... I mean, you're anti-dentite on this podcast. Anti that's what I'm learning. <laughs> when you put ite, you know, at the end... Yeah, mm -hmm. never mind. Yeah. Four out of five dentists prefer library media chatter <laughs> over where the white... It's also are. obviously weird because you're yeah. like... The, if you only if 20% of these dentists disagree with you like that's, that's a, a legitimate number if yeah. you're yeah. like hey this is not consensus I mean this is not the consensus yeah. I want I want 99 out of 100 dentists right. and if, then one of them is like obviously not a dentist I trust if 80% of dentists say this toothpaste works really well and 20% say it's really terrible for you and it's going to cause more problems I'm not using that toothpaste <laughs> I'm not going to eat that sweaty right. chicken I'm not going to I don't if, yeah yeah, what if, be that, safe here. what if that toothpaste makes your teeth super hard? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to, none of this is going to make it. Just so you, How dare you? Uh, That's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have, have any last thoughts, like anything to tie this together? So we've kind of talked personal experience with leadership. Um, anything that you want to? I think as a, I don't know. I mean, I think of myself as an optimist and that's probably pretty true, but that, I don't know, it's still a good, it's a great profession. I thoroughly enjoy most days of it. I can't really imagine, you know, I can't really imagine doing other things, mostly because I haven't. I mean, I've, I haven't done anything on a big scale that wasn't this. I mean, I've had summer jobs and I've, you know, done those things. It, it would be weird to work in a fireworks stand full time at this point. Um, I don't think Man I would dream, really Taylor. feel like that. But now I did now we're that. losing big firework. As but a I did that. Uh, but I'm. I it's, it's pretty seasonal. I did that a lot through high school and college. I I was I loved it. I loved. I've always loved fireworks. <laughs> but um, anyway, where I was going because this is a 
train derailment. Um, no. I just think it's, it all stays. It's a good. It's a good job to do. It's important. And at the end of the day, uh, you just we need to encourage each other, and not just us three of us, but all teachers and all their. Because, we'll start a text chain though after this, you know, so that we can be encouraging. Each other. That's true. That, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the people who are already you know in the trenches. I just think everyone needs some encouragement. We say the same thing. You, you, know, you got to encourage your students in order for them to perform better. You know, give them praise, give them specific praise. Like we can do that to each other. We're yeah. very bad at taking our own advice. I mean, say we. I mean, everyone, mankind, and that's one of those things that, like, if we're trying to make each other better, then we should be trying to make each other better, not just you know hoping that it happens. Like, what am I again? Like this sort of call to action. Like, what am I actively doing? To help the guy next to me be a better educator, even if that's just give him a break because he needs it, you know, that sort of sure. thing. And or be a better whatever they need, because sometimes I need to be a better dad in order to be a better educator because my thoughts are elsewhere, you know, that sort of thing. So just we need to give each other some slack and we need to help each other. And that goes for everyone in our lives, people above us, our administrators, our coworkers and our students. So that's my final thought is we should give each other a break. And help each other out. Might be as simple as that. I don't know. Sure. I I hate to tell you that I think the biggest takeaway from this podcast you could have learned in the first two minutes of this, what I imagine is at least an hour and a half long with uh, if he doesn't cut anything. Um, and that's if you are uh, a, a male student or teacher and you're looking for a date or a spouse, you need to join student council. Because the numbers are very much in your it's favor. Very <laughs> much in your favor. Uh, and the percentage of uh, men at this particular conference that we're at that have married uh, Stuco people versus women that have married Stuco people. It's a much higher percentage of men. So take advantage of that, gentlemen. Three out of three people at this table. Yes, recommend yes 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's consensus. Yes. It works for us. So it's mathematically, yeah. it will work for you. Yeah. That's just how it's it a, works. It's a, you were a math teacher, Jacob. That's true, right? That's, yeah, that absolutely. is 100%. Yep. Okay. That is, if it happens three times, yeah. it happens every time. <laughs> That is not a theorem. That is a postulate. It is. Yeah. I, those sound like words. I'm pretty sure there are words. Okay. I don't know what they mean. You could have made those up right now and I would have <laughs> praised you for it. Because we're encouraging here. Nice. So I want to add something to what Taylor said. Nothing to what Dan said. <laughs> that sounds right. Don't let him know, but his mic isn't even off. <laughs> That's good. I'm uh, supposed to shield it. Like so those. not only like help each other, but be the person who asks for help. I was never oh, that that's person. Awesome. That's, that's yeah. very good. And like, I don't know what it is like just being here. Like I, it's easy for me to reflect back on those. Uh, well, that last school year and like, man, you know, I hadn't seen you all for, for two years. Um, and maybe that's what, what would have kept me in it and kept me going. Like, um, but I also didn't ask for help. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, yeah. That's, this is odd and it sounds off topic, but when we were having our first kid, there was people always say, can I do anything to help? And you kind of always say no, but like, if you put yourself in those shoes, like I'm not, that's not an empty offer. I want to help yeah. you. And I think you need yeah. help or yeah. could use it. And like, it's good for both of you. <laughs> like, it's good to let a person in. It's good to receive help. They feel like they've helped you. That's a good feeling mm -hmm. for them. You get help. I mean, it's like. That's a great point. Like, ask for it because there's, I mean, I know that if someone asked me for help, I would do it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not abnormal that way. <laughs> like, if you put yourself out there and you ask for it and if they don't help you, well, that, then you, now you know, that's not a person <laughs> you need to surround yourself right. with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a really good point that. Mm. So for anybody who is in the education world already, Regardless if you're a, a student council person, you, you probably deal with leadership in some way if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, and that could be a student organization. It could just be uh, coaching or just general leadership in your classroom. Um, and if you're thinking about education, it is a very rewarding career, regardless of what I've told you, Brooke. <laughs> um, just fast forward to this point. That's right. Um, Put a timestamp in the But district. like any industry, it's, it's not perfect. And we're, it's facing changes, but there are good people um, and, and people who are educators generally want to help each other. They want to make the world a better place. 
And how do we do that, Taylor? Help each other. We ask for help. We we just I thought it, with you're kindness gonna, and compassion. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, sorry. That's okay. I, I was. And how do we do that, Taylor? <laughs> with kindness and compassion. That's there a little go. callback there. <laughs> we'll we'll clean that up. Yeah. I appreciate that. I would like to be more on the ball. Yeah, I thought. Well, when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need it. I'm gonna steal that. Well, and I'm sure I stole it from somewhere, but it boils down to, I mean, how is there another way? Yeah. To no, change I mean, it's right. those two things. If we care more about each other and are better to each other, it's gotta be it's gotta get better. I mean, it's the only way it can go. Yeah. So it was military spending is what I tell my kids. <laughs> how do we change the world? Yeah. Military spending. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh we're we parent differently. <laughs> Everybody does it their own. there's not That's you true. said it well, before. I if mean, there was one right answer. The fact that you're seven-year-olds in a military academy yeah, currently. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that that I'm the one that's talking about that with my well, here's children. Here's the deal. When my she came out of the womb, be in the military. her salutes were weak. Yeah. When she no, was really tough. young. And yeah. now they are sharp yeah. as a tack. It's nice. Good. I mean, that probably comes down to the mother, like, you know, in the womb, like, not having strong salutes. That's true. When I asked Pam to stand at attention <laughs> at any point during her... First pregnancy, she was just acted tired. So I don't know what was up with that. Mm. I think she might have actually been tired, but still. How do you know? I have to take her word for it, I guess. I mean, the results speak for themselves. I mean, when Betsy came out, if it's not a strong salute, then you blame the mother. We're working on it one day at a time. (laughs) Best. Best deleted scene. This is coming as a well, post-credit I, sequence. I feel like between this, the sweaty food. Yeah. We've covered a lot of good and ground. the segue. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of... The segue, segue. So, for yeah. actually three people who've known each other at this point for over 20 years, this is a pretty good... Um, this is actually one of the more focused conversations I, I was we've say definitely ever had. Yeah. Because Jacob did a really good job of steering a ship with, you know... A lot of sales going different directions. No, that's um, that's really generous to call what we're doing sale. Uh, anchors or thing, a ship. Yeah, not sure how seaworthy it is, but yeah. no, that uh, appreciate you having us on. I've uh, you know I'm excited to go back. I will uh, actively told him I was unaware of this podcast. I was very aware of Jacob. <laughs> And well, that's good. unaware of this podcast, and I've subscribed to it before this show even started. And I am excited to catch up because, um, well, I mean, you guys are both people I care about, and I'm excited to, you know, if I don't get to talk to you regularly, I'll just at least listen to you. There you, you know? go. I'd and actually forgotten good. about Jacob until I stumbled across, across this podcast, and I went, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. I think I and know a Jacob. Yeah, then uh, he happened to show up here. So this is, this is great. What a surprise. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. How neat for me. <laughs> Cool. Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employees, school districts, or communities in which they work.